The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. It's three o'clock on the dot. You know what that means. It's time for Matt Lannon and the King. Na 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 Chuck and Chernoff. Na 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 Chuck and Chernoff on the fan. Driving home in a traffic jam. But we got Chuck and Chernoff on the fan. Na 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 Chuck and Chernoff. Na 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 Chuck and Chernoff. The fan. For a second, I'm wondering why am I hearing Chuck Dowdle on a Friday? That's a football Friday, kind of a Georgia uh, has a game on the weekend. But I just remembered Georgia will travel to number one Alabama tomorrow at six o'clock. So White try to give some good mojo to the dogs. Maybe not the best spot to get to Alabama after they just got upset by Tennessee, but it's a story for another day. Uh, the three o'clock hour of the program is brought to you by This Stuff Matters. Like and subscribe to This Stuff Matters, the podcast. Posted at 680 The Fan's website under the podcast header or at thisstuffmatters.net. Why don't we start the three o'clock hour by saying hello to Charles. Hey, Matt. Hi, Chuck. What you doing Saturday night at six? Uh, I'm wide open. What are you thinking? Hashtag Mexican. You want to grab some uh, grub? I'll do it with you. The Mexican restaurant called El Chico. The boy? Spanish. Means lizard. I don't think so. Uh... When I was growing up, I thought El Chico was great. Oh, uh, what about now? I learned later, El Chico's kind of okay, but it was in DeKalb County where my dad could get a beer on Sunday. <laughs> it's a lot of information on El Chico, Chuck. Thank you. Spanish. Means lizard. Dad getting some suds on a Sunday afternoon. I don't, I still don't think it means lizard. But I mean, that, it, it might be Lizardo. There. We'll think about it. Uh, Brave Spring Training rolls on in Northport. Remember, next week, Nicholas and Christopher from the Domino and Cellini program will be there live with all the interviews. Oh, I don't know that, uh, that they were going to do that. Yeah, no, they're going to be there all week, Chuck. Good for the front row. No, no. Right, I'm uh, talking now. Domino and Cellini will be there next week. Uh, so we'll have all that coverage 11 to 2 next week. The Braves have their full, uh, first full squad workout Monday after Snit addresses the team. This used to be a Bobby Cox thing. Snit has taken over, and it's a very clear message to the group. We're here for one reason only, to win a second championship in three years. Now go get them, boys. Nothing else. Nothing else matters. Let's go get that second ring, have another parade. Go get them. Is that actual I, audio? I don't know if he's actually going to say that, but I would. Uh, part-time hitting coach Larry Jones is also back in the fold. We told you as the uh, hitting consultant, he joined Nick and Chris yesterday. I always love listening to Chipper talk hitting. You always know when somebody has a passion for something and just listening to Chipper talk about different guys and the way he approaches. It's always fascinating. I wanted to play a couple of uh, quick clips. Here is Chipper Jones talking about working with Vaughn Grissom and how that is going to materialize this season. It'll be similar to what we did with Austin Riley, making sure that his base swing is up the middle and the other way. And- 
and the ball that he hits out of the ballpark will be hanging sliders and hanging changeups. I don't want him cheating on the fastball. I want him staying inside. Chances are he's probably going to be hitting down in the lineup, and he could turn that lineup over. I love that. Just chuck the wow. little. I, I want him to cheat on the hanging breaking ball, and that's where he's going to get his power. The other stuff, I mean, like that specific stuff, not just as you called it the other day, which was disrespectful. The keep your head down and your Drive shoulder, whatever. The ball. Yeah, okay. Like that was elbow up, elbow up. Which uh, you'd be that great. Was not as a disrespectful. Hitting. I was saying that's what a hitting coach says. I think. Well, you just heard Chipper what he said about Vaughn Grissom, and Chipper has a specific approach for each guy. And I like what he says. He'll tell me what he wants to be. You want to hit 30 home runs and hit 220? We'll do that for you. You want to hit, you know, 295 and spray the ball all over? We'll do the, the best we can for that, too. Now, what Chipper can do, and I don't know if he can work miracles, here's Chipper's thoughts on Marcelo Zuna. He's a different bird. He leaks with his front side like he bails. And I used to bail, too. So when he leaks, he's so upright. When he leaks to the shortstop, his upper body goes with him. And he's spent, you know, he, he doesn't have any power up the middle and the other way. May just get him to bend at the waist a little more to keep him centered over the plate, even though that front step goes towards shortstop. Hopefully the power comes back. I uh, believe in Chipper and I trust his opinion as about as much as anybody. I don't know if Marcel is fixable at this point. I've almost come to the conclusion that what he's given you the last year plus is kind of what he is at this point. Anything better will be a surprise and a wonderful surprise. It looked like a heavy slow bat last year. Yep. So that's that's usually when it's done. It's the heavy slow bat, and it's just the amount of swing and miss. And those two yep. sometimes go hand in hand, but yep. his strikeout numbers were jarring for a guy who doesn't have the power to go along with the home. Now, he hit 23, so you go, okay, Matt, he hit 23. You watched him last year. He's one of the worst hitters in Major League Baseball. Uh, Bossman Jr., do you remember that his final season? It was like he was 0-2 or 1-2 when he stepped in the box, and I started getting that feeling with uh, Ozuna as well. So we always say, oh, that's just bad luck, or is it just awful pitch recognition, an awful sense of the strike zone, an awful sense of the pitcher? Like, I don't know. I'm sure everybody gets in a slump in your 0-2 for a minute or two. Chipper wasn't sitting 0-2 all the time, or Freddie wasn't in a good hitters. It's not just about going the other way with the pitch when it's there or you know the, the little things we talk about it's actually the nuances that um, uh, avoid them swing and miss stuff uh, in the dirt 0-1 or, or taking a fastball right down the middle on 0-1 maybe the best pitch of the bat you're going to get that happens to Head, bj down yeah drive, the same way it happened to ozuna drive through the ball <laughs> thank you pit, hitting coach chuck here's one more from chipper on what he thinks ronald acuna will do as a bounce back season I do expect them to uh, come back with a bang, you know, having a year under your belt and a good off season where I've seen him playing some winter ball. So he's getting some reps in over this winter, which is a good thing. He'll come into spring training, you know, ready to roll. There should be no reservations this year. By all intents and purposes, from some of the highlights I've seen, he seems to be swinging the bat pretty well. I told you yesterday he is a 10 to 1. He has 10 to 1 odds to win the NL MVP, which was fifth. In the National League, that seems about right to me. The Ronald that we saw in 2019, the Ronald that we've seen most of his career, I assume that's the Ronald we're going to get again, which is a top-five player. Yeah, and I don't know about the trusting and, you know, cutting it loose and all. I don't know about that. I mean, but that's what everybody says. And that wasn't Ronald. I didn't see Ronald enough. And they said it was really with his defense a lot as well. But um, you're right. It, I mean, there's no question about talent. I said this, this two years ago, three seasons ago, with him, the variables help. If he's healthy, boom, all-star MVP conversation. 
Well, Alex Anthopoulos, I thought, hit it on the head when he, he kind of joked to Acuna at one point last year, you finally dove for a ball because Acuna just did not trust yeah, yeah. the stop and start of that injury, and that had a lot to do with where he was last season. So the other part that we have to look forward to this season, I don't know if look forward to is the word. For the fan, they always want to know where the game is. That's always a thing. And we were spoiled in Atlanta for a million years that we knew at 735 it was on TBS. And then when that ended, it did, there's some Fox Sports South, and there was Turner South for a minute, and, it, you know, we had some... some True uh, TV. Yeah, you had a few of those. What was the other one? Peachtree TV, right? We had, we had yeah. those. Well, now MLB Commissioner Rob Manford explained how the league will respond if Diamond Sports, which owns 19 of the Bally Sports-branded regional networks, 14 of them that broadcast local MLB games, including the Braves, what will happen if they miss payments and file for bankruptcy? Commissioner Manford said, under every single one of our broadcast agreements, that creates a termination right, and our clubs will proceed to terminate those contracts. In that scenario, baseball would produce the broadcast themselves through the MLB network. They would negotiate a cable distribution package with a Comcast or whoever the provider is in that city. Manford did acknowledge the league has contingency arrangements that would lead to obvious reduced revenue plans that would affect these teams in the short term. I think, Chuck, this was the year where Bally was supposed to pay the Braves a rights fee of like $27 million. I think it went up to that number, if I'm not wrong. Um, the issue could play out in the, in the coming weeks because Diamond Sports said they're not going to make a $140 million interest payment on $9 billion owed in debt, triggering a 30-day grace period, which it will negotiate with the leagues and creditors. So this is a situation very much in flux that I don't know that anybody knows what it's going to look like in three or four weeks. Not a new story either. Remember, this started happening when ESPN started losing some subscribers just as they had re-upped some unbelievably expensive play-by-play deals. And so TV having play-by-play rights, it's still so much cheaper compared to scripted dramas and all that other stuff uh, as far as putting TV on. Uh, But the increased rights, it's pinching even giant companies. Here, well, they they over they all overpaid so much yeah. for these things for so long. Here's the issue in Atlanta: there is no other regional sports network. So if they're gonna, ha- let's say for some reason it doesn't work out with Bally, they just they they're not gonna do it. You're looking at a channel 36. You're looking at a Peachtree TV. You're looking at a non-traditional CSS partner. back in the day. They they would have been perfect to Comcast because yeah. that deal would have been. But there is no option. Atlanta is one of the few that does not have multiple regional sports options so i don't know what that would look like but they're gonna and, and they also said the mlb.tv situation would allow fans to stream games when otherwise it would be blacked out by regional networks so they have a lot of stuff to funnel through Matt now, I will, everybody with the atlanta braves i will remind you with all the unrest with tv you don't have to search for the braves games on the radio we've got all 162 plus spring training all the postseason games and the world series clincher will be right here on the fan and the fan mobile app, you can bet your bottom dollar on that, bucko. Is that in the read? Listen to the World Series right here? Uh... Well, if it's not, somebody didn't put it together correctly. Oh, okay. And the parade. All right. Uh, SEC Media Days is on the books. The schedule was released yesterday, which I know brought a smile to Chuck's face. Yeah, that was awesome. SEC Media Days will take place July 17th through the 20th at the Grand Hyatt in downtown Nashville, which it's worth noting. It's the first time it'll be in Nashville. Only the third time the event travels outside of Birmingham. The only other two were in Atlanta in 2018 and 2022. The schedule, Chuck, goes like this. 
Monday, July 17th, Brian Kelly of LSU, Missouri's Eli Drinkwitz, and Texas A&M's Jimbo Fisher. Tuesday, Auburn's Coach Hugh Freeze, Mississippi State Head Coach Zach Arnett, Vanderbilt's Clark Lee, and in the big room, the main attraction, the head honcho, Kirby Smart. Yeah, that's called Kirby Day. Wednesday, July 19th, Arkansas coach Sam Pittman, Florida coach Billy Napier, Kentucky coach Mark Stoops, and in the big room, the main stage, Alabama head coach Nick Saban. And on the final day, on that Thursday, Tennessee coach Josh Heupel, South Carolina head man Shane Beamer, and Ole Miss coach Lane Kiffin. Lane has to carry that on personality because that's not probably the best team there. In fact, it may be the third best team on the field of the three, but he's there. You have to have a personality, honestly. You know what it is, Matt, that if it's local media that covers an SEC program, they may pop in for a day or two. But by the last day, a lot of the national guys are gone. If there's no hook there, they use Lane as the hook on the final day. Totally agree. It's clear the league spread out Kirby, Saban, Kiffin, and I'll I'll say Jimbo for different days because I think Jimbo made himself a lightning rod last year with the Saban stuff. Hurts me, Matt, because Hugh Freeze, Auburn is Auburn used to be a thing. They were like, all right, that's one of the pillars. That'll be one of the draws. Auburn's a throw in with Kirby, isn't it? So, so I'm glad you brought that up. So no. Auburn's day. So Brian Kelly would would be next only if he does the Southern accent, which maybe he'll work on that. I think Hugh Freeze will be interesting because he'll get grilled his first time back at SEC Media Days. Drinkwitz is kind of underrated funny, but he's at Missouri, so nobody cares. But there was a point, we've been going to this event for a very long time. I'll point to a year, 1999, when the SEC had a roster of coaches that made the event super interesting. And it was Steve Spurrier, Phil Fulmer. Tommy Tuberville, Lou Holtz, Jim Donnan, Jackie Bleeping Cheryl, Houston Nutt. Guys, it would say something. Mike DeBose, David Cutcliffe. Yes, they would be snarky. They would take shots at each other. It would be what it's supposed to be, sort of a wrestling made-for-TV event. Now, what's Josh Heupel going to say? We're really excited about Joe, the experience in in the program, and also the maturity show by staying. What's what's Shane Beamer going to say? You know, the the experience that, that Spence Rattler has and the, the leadership staying with his teammates and coming back. and That's why I sort of enjoyed the notion of, of Jimbo Fisher and, and Nick Saban having some war of words. That's fun. And I say it all, uh, all the time. There's no downside to it. It never affects the game. It has no impact on who wins well, or loses the game. Steve Spurrier got up there in the big room in Birmingham one year. Like, Hugh Freeze was there that day and said, I'd love to have Ole Miss to schedule instead of ours. I was like, what's awesome. the hell? That's beautiful. <laughs> so now we have to ask the other guy about it. Oh, man, yeah, Hugh Freeze came up. He's like, what the hell did I do? It's crazy. <laughs> and now we're just reading from the coaching manual, top to bottom. I will say one final note on it. We will miss Mike Leach at that event like hell just because he is he was fun, genuine, entertaining, never cared what the response was. He was himself. He was the more he was more himself than any other coach I think I've ever seen. We had a joy talking to him last year, so that that sucks that we're not gonna have Mike Leach at that event. Yeah, he's just a wonderful, wonderful guy too. I just yeah. he was he was always very, very easy with his time. Can we start a new a new segment on the show? Well then I'm trying to think of a great name for it. Uh we'll call it in other news best I could come up with on the fly. It's my way to segue from something like we were just doing. Did you see what Mel Kuyper said? Regarding, pertaining? His career. Oh, no. Mel Kuyper says he'll retire if the Ravens draft Bijan Robinson, the running back from Texas. 
Did he go Georgia Tech, Maryland confident? I would assume. Like, this is one of those bombastic things you say. Does he really mean it? Um, now he has been going in draft, like he created the draft industry in like in 1981 or so. So, I mean, you work 40 years, you're supposed to be kind of near retirement anyway. Did he say when he would retire? Like that's as good, soon as the good pick out. came in? That's a good out. Cause remind people what Georgia Tech, Maryland confidence is. Oh, we go back to maybe 2011 or 12, and Georgia Tech had a game at Maryland, and it was like week eight, and Maryland had lost all four scholarship quarterbacks and the walk-on, and they were starting a tight end at quarterback, and the backup was a linebacker. And I said, if they if Georgia Tech loses, I will retire from radio. I'm done. Which you had a contract, but yeah. yeah. Which Paul Johnson was like, oh, well, now wait a minute. We, you know, we take the immediate hit, but <laughs> for the greater good. Did, I don't but mean I was to Georgia Tech, Maryland confident, and I've, I've done I've done that twice. That's it. I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm getting word from the staff that they're hearing what sounds like your dog chewing on a chew toy next to you. Yeah, that's going up and down the hall. That's what, what, absolutely. What, can you not control that mongrel? <laughs> you got to understand, there's a daily schedule to have. I also heard snapping when it was doing it, so Chuck was <laughs> yeah. trying to politely. This is bringing back memories of 2020. Here. I'll pet you. Leave me alone. Memories of 2020. Dogs barking and chew toys and the kids coming home I'm from school. I'm trying not to spread COVID. We are under COVID protocols today. So you're going to hear chew toys and kids. And I even turned the microphone the other way. <laughs> it was a good pickup by the staff, though. Good job, Hoyt and Dan Matthews, picking up the chew toys. It was a dolphin. Well, and you know what? There's a chance, but in this case, no. Let's get our winging it idea. It's time to wing it. Presented by WNB Factory. Serving up Atlanta's best wings and burgers with over 60 locations. Find yours at WNBFactory.com. We'll take your winging it idea answers at the Harris Cherokee Casino's Twitter feed. Jalen Rose came out and said uh, the minimum you should spend on a haircut is $100. Mm. How much do you spend on your haircut? Uh, 25 bucks maybe or 27. With tip or without? No, that's pre-tip. I haven't paid for a haircut since um, oh. February of 2020. That's right. Your wife does it, right? I go to the WeFace salon with her clippers, and I've never gone back. Because I was like, why am I spending $22 a pop for them to give me a number two all the way around? <laughs> What's the point of that? Uh, Brian Montrevious Hoyt, what do you pay for a haircut? $30. Before tip? No. Yeah, that's before tip. Then Just tip, the tip? Tip 15. You tip 15? Oh, wow. On a $30 haircut? Well, no, it's actually a... a $60 haircut. I get it for 50% off. Oh, excuse me, because you're the host. Oh, all right. Yeah, all right. All right. So, I'll uh, say, Dan Matthews. off the tip, man. Jeez. Oh, Dan, tip. What, do you, what do you pay for a haircut? Tip included $60. My goodness. Well, you guys must be making some serious dollars. Sixty dollars? Wow! It looked great, and I just you know was like, I, I, you get what you pay for. Are are you or her naked during this? Or Happy ending. Like sixty bucks? Wow! It's all up for negotiation, I guess. Chuck, okay. maybe we'll work on that. All right, you guys send your answers to the Harris Cherokee yeah. Casino's Twitter feed. Uh, coming up in less than fifteen minutes, we'll find out what's going to change in the dogs' offense with Mike Bobo back in charge. We'll get the scoop from one of our favorite former Georgia quarterbacks. Hudson. He should have some keen insight on the subject. Coming up next, though, Stetson Bennett's name was brought up in a shocking shocker. Oh. 
Stetson Bennett's name was brought up in a shocking. Oh, that's funny. Am I not going to do the tease, or are we just going to we're going to do this all day? Do it again. Take it from the top. I'll do it live. Stetson Bennett's name was brought up in a shocking. I think he went to take a dump. <laughs> conversation that none of us would have ever predicted just 24 months ago. We'll tell you what it is next. From your radio pals, it's Chuck and Chernoff on the FAN. We're on FM in theory at 93.7. Booming on AM, because why wouldn't we be at 680? On our 680 The Fan mobile app, on your home smart speaker. We're everywhere. You can't get rid of us. With you till 6, when the front rows audio fun bag. With Dill, the up-and-comer, the rising star, the next generation of 680 The Fan Talent will invade your radios. The 3 o'clock hour of this show is brought to you by This Stuff Matters. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. I just said that, Chuck, to This Stuff Matters podcast posted at 680 The Fan's website under the podcast header or at thisstuffmatters.net. We will bring in Hudson Mason Hudson, in just about uh, five minutes to get his feelings on the transition from Todd Munkin. To Mike Bobo, and if anybody knows Bobo and the tendencies in the offense, it will be Hudson Mason, so we'll pick his brain coming up. But first, it has been a weird, wacky place in the last 24-plus months in the life of Stetson Bennett and the Georgia program. And before I play you guys a piece of audio, I want to be clear on my position. I was like everybody, not buying into the Stetson stuff at the beginning. I, I didn't believe it through the first year that he was the starting quarterback and kept waiting like everybody else for JT Daniels to get the job back, uh, the, get his job back. There was a point, though, where I said enough already. All right, he's obviously much better than we thought. I'm not going to do the whole Stetson versus JT thing. I'm not going to do the offseason of who's going to take his job. It just, I even got to the point where I was championing a Heisman campaign for Stetson Bennett. People thought I was nuts. He ended up in New York. So I just wanted to make that clear. But there is a point where we, we go too far in the media. We lose our minds on this stuff. I'm going to play you a piece of audio from the Colin Cowherder show. Every time, huh? With uh, Jason McIntyre and Cowherd <sighs> discussing Lamar Jackson and Baltimore's future. And in some world, that could include Stetson Bennett replacing him? Nobody's saying Stetson Bennett is incredible. You just said Brock Purdy got to the NFC Championship game. If you can reset the quarterback in Baltimore and go from Lamar Jackson wants all of the money to Stetson Bennett mid-round pick. You franchise tag Lamar this year. Stetson Bennett learns the offense, sees what an NFL locker room is about. Then you say, Lamar, we're not paying you. Hit the market. Have fun. Stetson Bennett's our guy. What's happening in the world? Again, folks, a lot of us stopped fighting the Stetson fight. We're like, he's good. He's going to play in the NFL. But we're not doing Lamar gets replaced by Stetson. I mean, I, I saw what Brock Purdy did, and everybody's going to point to the outlier that was Brock Purdy. If the only thing standing in Baltimore's way of continuing life with Lamar is money, pay him his money. If you think Stetson Bennett at the next level, you're just going to plug and play Stetson and let Lamar leave, and you'll be fine because Todd Munkin is there. We have completely lost all sense of any kind of common sense. If we're going to do this one, like th this is enough already. Stetson Bennett's going to wait in the wing and take Lamar's job. Can we please? I've missed every ceiling that I have assigned to Stetson I have been wrong about. I think Baltimore is his best chance to make an NFL roster. That might be true. Um, 
I, again, I've been wrong about every ceiling I placed on him. And I even told this story back in the 21 season, whenever it was they played Auburn, there was up in the air about if JT felt good enough or whatever. And I remember I, I was said, I hope Stetson plays because that'll be an advantage for Auburn. <laughs> the hell? The, like, hey, that's a window. Hey, if they got to turn to Stetson, that's a chance. Um, no, it wasn't. I was wrong about that. So I say that it gives him a great chance to make an NFL roster because if you have an OC, the play caller who can push, not nudge, push the quarterback to the exact plays that, highlight exactly what the kid does that then the kid has to go execute he ain't lamar no matter what you do no matter no matter no matter what i feel like we've gotten to a place where everybody's like lamar's always hurt not true we've gotten to a place where lamar's not good not true we got to a point where lamar's asking for something obscene not true baltimore has offered him a ton of guaranteed money it might just be a line in the sand that they're not willing to go to the exact number he wants lamar is 26 an mvp winner he's he's taking teams to the playoffs we're going to cavalierly go just move on from him. He wants too much and give me Stetson Bennett. I, I mean, we've lost our minds. It, it, like, this happens, man. We start just completely parroting what other people say about something, and then we just start regurgitating it. And I, I can't for the life of me think any fan in the whole world would think, I'll move on from Lamar because the money, and I'll just plug in Stetson Bennett because Brock Purdy. All right, uh, let's uh, transition right now by talking to one of our favorite former Georgia quarterbacks. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. The official sports talk station of the dogs. Hudson Mason, quick throw, got it to Bennett in the slot. Touchdown. So let's talk Bulldogs football with former UGA quarterback Hudson Mason. He's Hudson! Hudson! Our truest Bulldog reporter, Hudson Mason, you hear him mornings with the locker room, 6 to 10, on the fan. He's kind enough to join us on the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line. Huddy, how are you? I'm doing great, guys. How about you? Doing awesome. Uh, we have a lot of ground to cover, but I, I thought, who would know Mike Bobo, his offense, his tendencies, what Georgia now will do transitioning from the Munkin offense, although they're going to run the same concepts and schemes and terminology, to Mike Bobo in charge. So what will we, the novice, notice different now with Mike Bobo at the controls? Yeah, that's a great question, but a tough one to answer, too, because I, I think the immediate answer is it depends on who the quarterback is. It's hard to say exactly and predict exactly what the offense is going to look like without knowing who the quarterback is. If it's Carson Beck, um, maybe it's a little bit more um, – Maybe maybe the passing game looks a little bit more like uh, what it did with Murray and, and maybe with a little bit more like Fromm, if it's Gunnar Stockton or Brock Vandergriff. Maybe there's a few more uh, design quarterback runs. Um, 
Bobo was never a really big design quarterback run, and maybe that's because he never had a super uh, athletic, uh, pure dual threat guy. Um, and and Gunnar Stockton and Brock Vandergriff seemed to be more athletic than uh, than most of the guys that he had. So maybe he would become more of uh, more of that and, and implement more of that in his offense. But I think the biggest thing is is anytime you go through a transition like this, and you've had success with the previous offensive coordinator, Kirby is going to want to keep as much consistency as possible which is why he had why he brought in Bobo last year I mean Kirby's been ahead of this much like Nick Saban has been ahead of this for years now where you bring in an analyst you teach them the ropes you kind of teach them the scheme and the system and then when it becomes their time to take over um, they're running the core principles and the core concepts and the verbiage and the communication stays the same, but every offensive coordinator kind of puts their flavor and uh, uh, kind of their personal touch on the offense. So uh, I think it'll still be spread-based with pro-style uh, flavor and pro-style elements. I don't know if you'll see a fullback in the game anymore uh, or thing like that or maybe a, a five-step drop under center, um, but I think you would want to keep as much the same as possible for these players uh, given the fact that they have really figured it out and had a lot of success in it the past two years. We hear all the time, you know, he the head coach is a meddler or he, you know, puts his fingers in the pie too much for, you know, offense or defense, and he's on the other side of the ball. What does that mean? Like, if you were Todd Munkin and, and Kirby was a meddler and you got tired, just as an example, or if you were Lane Kiffin and you got tired of Nick Saban, what what does that mean? What are the what are the, the, the specifics of that? Hey, uh, Bobo, second and eight here. I want you to run the ball. Well, Coach, I, I, I want you to run the ball. Um, is that a suggestion or is that running the ball here? Yeah, that, that, that's give me your best run. This is not a. Okay. <laughs> this you is can a, choose yeah. the run play, but we're right. running the ball. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Rick, Coach Rick was always phenomenal, even as an offensive coach, of staying out of the way. And, and it worked perfect for Coach Bobo. Um, you know, with Kirby's relationship with Bobo, you wonder how that will work. And it seemed like. Uh, Coach Smart had let Munkin just do his thing. I mean, we can all remember him just ripping Jim Chaney and Coley uh, up in the box all those times. But you never really saw that much with Munkin. You didn't even see that in year one when the offense really wasn't what it was under Munkin in year two or year three. So uh, I think their relationship and that they're really good friends and uh, that they were in each other's weddings and their families are great friends or dads are high school football coaches in the state of Georgia and good friends. I think that makes it an interesting dynamic. And uh, I can't wait to see uh, if he kind of handles it more like he did with Munkin or if he kind of handles it more like he did with Cheney and Coley. Hudson Mason, our truest Bulldog reporter with Chuck and Chernoff. You hear him on the locker room morning 6 to 10. He's with us on the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line. Huddy, this isn't the same, but... The last time I saw this happen on the pro level was Shanahan leaving, and in this case, they went outside the building and brought in Sark, but they kept everything the same otherwise, right? It was like, we're going to run the same stuff, concepts, terminology. We're going to run the Shanahan playbook. As you pointed out, Bobo was here last year, so we had a, a, a keen look at what was happening. But how difficult is that on the coach to work somebody else's terminology, game plan, their playbook, all of the above? It's so hard, and I think it's what made has made Nick Saban's run and his dynasty even more impressive because everybody talks about the, the draft picks and the quarterbacks, and I think we overlook how many times he's hit on coordinator hires. They're basically coming in every two years, and whether it was you know Lane Kiffin and Mike Loxley and Brian Dayball, and, and just one after the other, uh, they were able to come in. And I would love, so fascinated to to know how do you handle this because.
because it's not easy, right? Somebody's got to learn something different. And is it the players that you make learn something different, or is it the coach that you make learn something different? Um, just purely based on numbers, you would think it's a lot easier to teach one guy something new than 30 guys or 40 guys on the offensive side of the ball. But, and I'll give you a great example of this, when – Mike Bobo left in 2014 to go to Colorado State, and Mark Rick hired Brian Schottenheimer. He hired Schottenheimer to run Bobo's offense. And he went through spring ball, and he went through summer. And I remember having a conversation with somebody in the building that about halfway through camp that fall, heading into 2015, Brian Schottenheimer went to Mark Rick and was like, Coach, I can't do this anymore. I, I can't. I have to be. I, when I call a play in the press box on game day, it has to be able to roll off my tongue. I can't be sitting there thinking about, oh, wait a minute, I call this play or I have called this play X, Y, Z. And you're thinking about, okay, how does this new verbiage, it, it's got to naturally just roll off your tongue in the middle of the game. And that's what you're asking a coordinator to kind of do uh, when you're asking him to learn a whole new system. So that's some of the challenges and some of the things that they'll have to get over, but it's part of it. Somebody's got to learn something new, and Alabama has found a way all these years when they're changing coordinators every two years uh, to to figure it out. And so uh, when people say, oh, you're just going to run Todd Munkin's system, it's not quite that easy. It's not that quite plug and play. Um, I think you've got your core base principles and your core concepts uh, and your base offense, and then from there, it's going to depend on is it Carson Beck, is it Gunnar Stockton, is it Brock Vandergriff, and what your quarterback likes and what his strengths are. And then that's how that's how a guy like Mike Bobo has to earn his money based on how he tweaks the offense based on the strength of the quarterback. You started in the SEC and then went to Washington, and I guess you had a similar experience. Hey, this is faster, and everybody's big and can run. Um, even if it's the hand in the glove, everybody has. We've immediately said, hey, Baltimore, they'll take Stetson. What is, what is ahead for Stetson? Because he's going to be in an NFL camp by either draft pick or free agent. What's ahead for him, even having started in the SEC? Mm. Um. Obviously, the speed of the game even coming from the SEC. But I think with the biggest thing when you're going from playing a lot to the NFL, and I've talked to other quarterbacks at other quarterbacks at Georgia that played played a lot longer than I did and started many more games and made the transition. Uh, and I've talked to other quarterbacks in general about this: is when you go and you're a middle or late round draft pick, and you're not going to be the number one guy, you may not even be the number two guy. I think the biggest challenge is the mental aspect of not getting any reps. And the fact that you have to be realistic with yourself that, at least early on, you're competing for uh, a third string, maybe a practice squad, maybe at the best a second string spot. And you're not going to get a lot of reps. And for the most of the time, you're going to be taking a ton more mental reps than you are physical reps. And that's hard. It's a weird transition for a college kid like Stetson, who's a three-year starter and has started probably 50 starts in his college career to go from that to standing on the sideline, taking a ton of mental reps. Um, but that's how you make the team. And and then you got to work from there. So whether it's preseason and maybe he just get a couple snaps in the preseason. I don't know. Maybe he gets drafted to a, a place where they don't have it. Maybe he goes to Chicago and they don't have a bona fide number two and he competes for the number two spot and wins the job behind Justin Fields immediately. Could be that, or he could go and fight for a practice squad job. So I think that's always the toughest part of when you're talking about a mid-round pick or a late-round pick and a guy who's played a lot of college football making that transition. Honey, one more on Bobo and and – Listen, every coach has a strength, right? Todd Munkin, the way it was described, it wasn't going to be for his recruiting. He didn't love that angle of it. He would go on recruiting visits as the closer, 
Bobo was described as an elite recruiter. Great mm-hmm. ties with South Georgia, ties around the SEC. That has to get amplified now, right? In which Kirby, if he's going to make the trade, he might not get the same quality of play caller, but you take a step up in the recruiting game, correct? There's no doubt, and Bobo is an absolute hound on the recruiting trail. I think that's why he is another great fit. Um, you know, you just go look at a lot of the guys that he recruited as ties in the state from South Georgia. I mean, he's got great connections. It just made so much sense, and they were already recruiting at a high level. Uh, he is going to, and I don't mean this as a shot to anybody that I played with or anybody that, and, and some people have said this, and I tend to agree with it, he is going to have more uh, tools in the tool ba- box to work with. I thought the 2012 team was the most talented offense that Bobo had, and but I think top to bottom, based on the way that Kirby has recruited, um, this will be the most talented team uh, compared to any offense that Bobo had um, and, and his from 2007 to 2014 as the offensive coordinator. So, you know, look, offense was never a problem under Mark Rick at Georgia. Defense has never been a problem under Kirby Smart. And for those reasons, I think it's a great fit. And I know so some Georgia people had some some pushback about this. And I would just say this to you. If you told me you were getting an offensive coordinator that – had produced the number one overall draft pick, had produced the SEC all-time leading passer, and produced the number one scoring offense in school history, I think you would be jumping up and down full of joy to land that guy. If that guy's name was Bob Smith (laughs) and he had that resume, you wouldn't find a, a Georgia fan out there complaining. But because for some reason the name Bobo was so polarizing, People uh, apparently have 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 a hard time understanding why Kirby Smart would make this decision, uh, and you know. And I would also ask, like for, for for the others out there, like if you wanted another option, what did you want Kirby to go do? Hire Cliff Kingsbury? Buster Faulkner had no SEC play calling experience. Oh, what's behind all this is if you look at like the last forty jobs that got hired, it's not twenty offensive guys, twenty. Def- it's like thirty-two former offensive coordinators and like eight defensive guys. All the good OCs have been hired already. They're all gone as head coaches. Right. Notre Dame just had to promote their tight ends coach because they couldn't find a an offensive Wasn't coordinator. Yeah. yeah. Nobody. Yeah. So yeah, the, the calendar was not your friend at this point. No. I mean, Alabama just hired a 31-year-old 30, uh, in Tommy Reese who has a very uneven play-calling resume in his career. It's young. But so uh, I think it. I think it's a great fit, and I can't wait to see what they do together. Hudson, it's always a pleasure, my friend. We will listen Monday morning with the front row from 6 to the front row, with the locker room. <laughs> With the locker room, 6 to 10 here on The Fan. He is our truest Bulldog reporter. Thank you, Hudson. Thanks, guys. See you. Coming up next, Kang has a conspiracy theory. President Kennedy was doing crystal meth. Is that right? It's your theory, Chuck. No, that's true. That's not the (gasps) Oh, boy. Okay, that was Chuck. Uh, Kang has a conspiracy theory he knows isn't true. Cows cannot get herpes. (laughs) That's true. That's a fact. But it makes him happy to talk about it anyway, and he'll talk about it next. with you on a Friday. We will be with you in person coming up next Thursday. You can join us 
At the PGA Tour Superstore in Kennesaw, your first chance to putt for a Porsche. Porsche. It's back. Sink a putt, get qualified to win the 2023 Porsche Macan from Hennessy Porsche, North Atlanta. You're going to want to come out, get yourself registered. Finalists will receive a timepiece from Brown & Company Jewelers. All 16 of our grand prize qualifiers receive a Mizuno M-Craft putter valued at 300 bucks and a PGA Tour Superstore gift card. Thursday, 2-6, to six, PGA Tour Superstore in Kennesaw. Be there for your chance to putt for a Porsche. Brought to you by PGA Tour Superstore, Hennessy Porsche, North Atlanta, Brown & Company Jewelers, and Mizuno. Chuck has a conspiracy theory that he knows isn't true, but he still wants to talk about it. I'm all ears. Yeah, I think that uh, when Marcus Freeman was going to, he looked around and realized that he had sort of backed himself into a corner because he and Andy Ludwig, the Utah athletic director, the representatives of the Notre Dame athletic department and football team and the representatives of Andy Ludwig had both like given their last and best offer. And they were about $2 million apart on the buyout. Now, Matt, you think, Wait a minute, this is Notre Dame football. $2 million? What Rounding error. What are you doing? Um, but it was a man, and once you say you're not backing down, Matt, there is nothing more important. So they had both, like, put the line in the sand, and neither. so Andy Ludwig, like, being OC at Notre Dame strikes me as better than being, no matter how much success you've had. But the guy's been in the game 30 years. It seems like this is his last best shot and Notre Dame OC better than Utah OC, I think. And Utah's a really good job. Um, it seems to me that having a guy with 30 years of experience, including I think 11 as a Power 5 coordinator, uh, Rose Bowl champs with Utah, like the guy knows what he's doing versus a tight ends coach who's never called plays in his life. Yeah. That's, where Notre, that's where Notre Dame is. My conspiracy theory, he waited to announce that until the SEC announced their media day schedule, thinking we'll go into the radar here. Like this bad news, the SEC has the bombshell of the day. Um, it's a it's a sank bomb, and a he's gonna a, a, a sanky bomb oh. and a sank bomb. We'll go with sank bomb. Right, that, well, you'll make it a thing. Freeman waited to announce his new OC until he could do it under the cover of the SEC media days schedule. So we're going to be in Nashville. It's a big thing to us. I think Marcus Freeman knew that as well. But you said you don't believe the conspiracy theory. I know it's not true, yeah, but it's still funny. But you can't hide the hire of your OC. It's still, it's still, this was a Friday news dump if he had been able to wait a couple of more days, but he wanted to get the thing over with. Um, and so he was, this is the situation we were just talking about with Hudson. And again, if you go back and look at the hires, uh, throughout history, when you were hiring a head coach who sometimes could be, very much married to one side of the ball, but sometimes just football coach. Um, it was a different day. Uh, now it is, it is a run on young, hot offensive coordinators scheme wise, not aesthetics. And it's like 31 or of the last hires. Um, it's, it's OCs of the coordinators who have been hired, um, as, as head coaches, it is heavily weighted to the offensive side of the bus. So picking through these, we saw this at Miami with Mario Cristobal. We saw this, like, you fired the former Michigan OC and hired the former Houston OC. Uh, anybody can be right or wrong regardless of background. You know, Urban Meyer started at Bowling Green. But you look at it and think there should be some sort of indicator. Nick Saban, same sort of thing. Notre Dame, it's not just Marcus Freeman. It really is the market to, quote, hire your next OC. 
They're, you're not hiring an OC anymore. All those guys are already head coaches. So you look at Kirby, he was like, yeah, I'll take Mike Bobo and be really happy. Yeah, it's the uh, same trend that we've seen in the NFL. I think what we've seen is you're more likely to lose your good play caller offensively. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen to defensive guys, but it feels like the numbers are heavily weighted to losing the offensive guys. So I, I get that sort of trend happening. But I would also say this about any coaching hire. It's the most incorrectly debated topic we ever do, whether it's us on radio, whether it's the dumb debate show or on social media. So when you promote from within, a lot of times you're going to feel underwhelmed. But a lot of times that, you know, I I talked about the Falcon OC coaching situation back when Shanahan left. Had the Falcons just stayed in house with any of the choices, Mike LaFleur, Matt LaFleur, uh, Mike McDaniel. (sighs) Oh, my gosh. It could have kept cranking and going. Instead, they went outside the building and they went and got Sark. Now, that wasn't even received well. So whether it's the tight end coach who gets promoted or or Mike Bobo in-house or you bring in Buster Faulkner, we are wrong. I'd love to see the scorecard on the coaching, assistant coaching hires more than anything else because, I Chuck, I bet our batting average on that is about 220. I bet we're so bad at uh, analyzing the assistant coaches and the coordinators more than anything else. Yeah, and the coaches have access to a ton of, like, the information they have asked for. I need a special teams coordinator. I need a wide receivers coach. I need an inside linebackers coach. They get all the information possible, and they may have even worked with a guy. And you're right. When it comes to the coordinator hire specifically, um, they're all looking for the common thread. And the, the monkey in the wrench right now is the common thread is hot young offensive mind. And they've all already been like they've skipped the line instead of being a coordinator for five, six, seven years. Uh, maybe not at all. And like Dabo was never a coordinator. But it also um, speaks to the toughest task of a coach. If you're able to keep hiring the right answers at assistant coach, you will win in a way that even the guys who recruit or call plays better. If you can fill the gap in your replacement of coaches, assistants, man, you are the best in the business. Yep. 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 All right. Coming up next, we will spin the wheel of headlines. But it's going to be a different sort of a feel of headlines to find the best clickbait on the Internet. And uh, I'm told Hoyt might have a Brazilian twin. And the twins are hot because, well, Hoyt is hot. $1,000 to see them have sex. We'll find out what that looks like next. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.